Kindred Church is a Christian community gathering in Reno, Nevada. We employ a dialogical teaching style, but for the sake of privacy, we remove the participants' responses from the recording. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we'd love to have you join us in person or online. For more information about the church and for our service time, location, and virtual gathering options, visit kindredchurchreno.com. So I'm Eric. I'm going to walk around. Um, I can't even sit down to eat dinner at times, which drives my wife nuts. Just think of me kind of as like a taller, maybe more handsome Jim Gaffigan this morning, but I'm definitely so nervous. I'm probably as pale as Jim Gaffigan is right now. And I just wanted to kind of talk about what this church means to me. I came from a really large church and that was great. Been there, was there for about 10 years. Met some amazing people, had some amazing memories, but I look forward to coming here every single week to spend time with you guys. I, I Yes, I'm kind of nervous, but I also know that like everyone here truly and deeply loves me. So like Garrett was saying, I could just come up here and weep and everyone would still think that that's an acceptable type of sermon. So I just love all you guys. I love what we do here. I love what we stand for. I'm just real proud to call this my church. So let's go over Mark 8. Do you guys read Reddit at all? Have you guys ever heard of a topic called Florida Man? Okay, well, for those that don't know, Florida Man's like, you see those headlines, Florida Man wrestles alligator at newborn's birthday party. Like, that's probably an actual true one. So, (laughs) my wife loves Reddit, and she had this brilliant idea that I should incorporate some of those topics into my sermon, which is totally cool, because some of Mark is absolutely insane. So, I'm just going to go through some main topics real fast. So, feeding the 4,000, second time doing this miracle, Nazareth Man feeds the masses again, this time he has leftovers. Next one, healing the blind man. Nazareth man claims to be son of God but can't keep spit to himself. I don't know if we have one for Peter's confession. Peter declares Jesus is the Messiah or anointed one or king. Definitely have one for this. Death and resurrection predicted. Get behind me, Satan. Nazareth man is fed up. And the last one is taking up your cross, all about denying yourself for the sake of Jesus. This is also what I like to consider the parable of opposites. So for the sake of time, I can't go over every verse in this chapter, but I do want to focus on verses 11 through 26. I'll break it down into different sections. I will ask for your guys' participation. I'm not going to like call on anyone to like stand up like some weird blue man group show that actually happened to my mom on a cruise one time. But at Kindred, we have a dialogical conversation, so please feel free to shout out opinions rebukes, questions, and we try to get through them as best I can. So verses 11 through 13, I'm reading from the CSB Bible. So chapter 8, verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. So again, truly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. I feel like he's talking about us right now, but he was also talking about the generation before us and before that for 2,000 years years, he hasn't really given us maybe the sign that we're thinking of, or has he? And that's my whole topic of today's sermon, is going to be miracles in the everyday. So I want you to have in your mind where we can see Jesus at. And God working. So again, the religious leaders of the day were trying to test him as Satan did it in the wilderness. I just wonder why after seeing all these miracles, they just still not believe his power. So he's doing miracles after miracles after miracles. As we saw through the story, the 12 disciples still don't really believe he's the Messiah. The religious leaders of the day definitely don't. And it seems like the only people who get it are blind people and deaf people, which is weird because they're the people who can't see and can't hear. So does God really need to open up the eyes of our soul to see what he is doing? So this leads me to my first question. What does miracle or sign even mean? Again, what do the leaders of the day demand to believe he was the Messiah? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that we see miracles all the time, but since they're so frequent, like we really don't see them. 
I still believe that God is here and shows up. We just kind of are numb to it because of how often they happen. One of the things for me, and this is kind of getting off the question, but I think it ties into why the Pharisees didn't believe that he was the Messiah is because of the humanity of Christ. How he has every right to show them a sign, but he didn't. And he has every power to show us a sign at this exact moment. And he does in some ways, but this is because he's not a power-oriented Messiah. He's a very human and humble Messiah. And I think that's why the religious leaders of the day had a problem with him. So moving on to verses 14 through 21, the disciples had forgotten bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They are discussing among themselves. They did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of leftovers you collected? 12, they said. Then I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? So again, Jesus has to put his disciples on blast for having little faith, even after seeing all of these miracles. And what else is it going to take for them to realize that he's the king of the universe? And I still think it comes down to a lot of stuff that isn't written in the Bible, and this is just my opinion. Jesus was also a very real human. I'm not saying that he sinned at all, but he also had very human characteristics. And I think that was like getting in his way, but I don't think he cared. I think that's why he also told people, don't go and tell this person that I did the miracle. Don't go in the village. Because I think at some point, he would be like surprised at himself for doing the miracle. Like he'd be like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Okay, don't say anything to anybody. And it's just such a human side of Jesus that I love. He has to be human to relate to us. He references again back to Mark 7 about healing the deaf man and foreshadows his next miracle with healing the blind man. And as Pastor Garrett said last week, he did this by spitting in someone's mouth and giving them two wet willies. I know Jesus is like the water of life, but... He must salivate a lot. So we're going to finish up in the healing of the blind man, which is verses 22 through 26. This is where I'm going to spend most of my teaching today. They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out in the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So this is really interesting. I was reading some commentary on it. That this is the only miracle that Jesus had to redo. Like he came up short. He spit on the guy, didn't work, had to reapply, and it finally worked. But it's interesting because I think he was thinking at this time, he said, hold up, wait a minute, let me put some spit into it. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's so interesting. It's just this human side again. He came up short, which is totally fine. And that's just, I don't know, I just love the way that we can relate to Jesus because of how human he is. I also find it interesting that the man saw people that look like trees, not just blurry objects, but trees. And I was talking to Mike about this last week. He was preparing for his uh, story this morning is that trees are a big imagery in the Bible. So harking back to the tree of good and evil, you know, in Genesis 2, Adam and Eve were not supposed to eat from it. Is that what he's referencing of why the blind man saw trees? Even though it was blurry, he was seeing a good image of what God creates. He didn't say, oh, I just see some blurry stuff. It was very specific that he saw trees walking around like people. And trees have roots. Jesus wants us to be rooted in him. And like Mike said in the story, rooted next to water so we can produce fruit. So it's just interesting that he had him see trees. That was ordained by Jesus. That he didn't just say, oh crap, I wonder what you're going to see. I do believe that the trees are a big point. So either way, the man was healed and could see again. What do you think he did for his faith? And this is my next question for discussion. If you could see a miracle, would it strengthen your faith?
Well, thank you for sharing. And it's crazy, though, like listening to everyone's stories, it like helps your faith, helps my own faith to see God working in other people's lives is another human element that is necessary for us to keep the faith. So I find a lot of miracle in music because music is not necessary for our survival. There's nothing tangible about music to keep us alive except for our pure enjoyment. And that's what I kind of want to wrap up with is God gives us miracles for our enjoyment. And that's pretty awesome. Whether it's the people around us, whether it's, like I said, music or nature, or uh, I know Pastor Rob would love this, his golf game, which probably is much to be desired. <laughs> but that's a miracle. That's a miracle. That So Rob is golfing right now with some friends, which is awesome. He's doing that just for his enjoyment and his enjoyment of the people around him. Like we're in this day and age with how we are in Reno, Nevada right now, God gives us things that we get to enjoy. And I feel like those are little miracles. So for me, like I said, it's music. Garrett and I went out the other night and he asked me, he said, what music did you listen to in middle school? I named all these bands off. I was like, I still listen to them. And I was telling Aaron this, music for me is like the soundtrack of my life where all my fondest and sometimes not fond memories are associated with some sort of music. And I just eat it up and I thank God that's how he created me so I can enjoy this stuff. I personally think Jesus really enjoyed nature. I mean, he was in the wilderness for 40 days. So I know he's being tempted by Satan and all this other stuff, but I'm sure that he was okay being in nature with what he created. And again, you know, this just goes back to the humanity of Christ. God is seriously awesome. Or as kids are saying now, he's straight bussing. <laughs> I really appreciate your guys' like dialogue back and forth. Um, I'm just going to end with this excerpt from a commentary from Tim Gombas. Just think about Jesus this way. Jesus is a cross-directed, cross-oriented Messiah who initiates a cross-shaped kingdom. His kingdom is full of humility as he was a person, just like we should be humbly accepting of the miracles that we see all the time. When you pray, and sometimes that miracle doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that God still isn't having miracles in our everyday life. So as we go forward, I just want you guys to consider that. I want to keep considering that. Just the blessings that God has. This church is a blessing. Just the fact that we can gather here on a Sunday morning for an hour with our closest friends is a miracle and a blessing. We hope you enjoyed what you just heard. Kindred Church is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you find value in the ministry of Kindred Church and would like to contribute to our efforts, visit kindredchurchreno.com to donate. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email kindredchurchreno at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.